0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Breaking the Huddle. I'm Joel Klatt, like I am every single Wednesday, and this show is presented by Dr. Pepper at Every Tailgate and Homegate. It is the one fans crave, and it's delicious, and I'm really tired, so I'm going to have a little... While we get started on today's Breaking the Huddle, as always, we're going to get started with the top 10. We're going to get to your comments, and I'm going to try to be as snarky as possible. I'd like to, you to be as snarky as possible back to me. And this only works if you share this with your friends, okay? So get your friends involved. Let's get the comments rolling. Talk about my ridiculous green shirt. It's not really green, it's mint. Thank you very much, because I'm cool. Um, and let's get started. Uh, like I said, share it on Facebook. You can download it as a podcast later. I'll get to all of that in a little bit. Excuse me. That really is delicious. Okay, here we go. Top 10, according to me. um, What is this, week six? Ohio State gets back into the top 10. I did not have them in the top 10 last week. They get back into the top 10 as a result of a couple of the losses that we saw out of top 10 10 teams, mainly um, that USC loss. So Ohio State comes in at number 10. I think that Ohio State is still really good. One, their loss to Oklahoma is going to look continually better as we move along in, uh, in the season because of what I think Oklahoma's going to do the rest of the season. Um, and also they're f- fixing some of their problems. Remember now, Their biggest problem was the fact that they didn't throw the ball down the field, and they've started to fix that. Uh, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. In fact, I'm going to save a lot of the nuggets when I talk about Ohio State uh, for later because right after this top ten, we're going to get to your comments. I'll read them. I'll give you some snark back. It's going to be really fun. And then I've got a little chalk talk session, the three reasons why I think people have overreacted to JT Barrett's struggles early in the season. So make sure you stay tuned for that, and I'll address more uh, Ohio State details as by the way, Gus and I and Jenny are gonna head there this weekend. My first time in the shoe, which will be a lot of fun. All right, number nine. Stay in the Big Ten. I've got Wisconsin at number nine. Okay, so I really love what Wisconsin is doing. Every single week, I feel like I give the same reasons. I love Jim Leonard, I love Paul Christ. Their players are pretty good. They understand their system, so on and so forth. But the data is starting to really back this up. First and foremost, they've only given up 14 points in the second half all season long. And all 14 of those were against Northwestern once Clayton Thorson and the Cats had to kind of just air it out there uh, when they were getting after it. Here's what I love about Wisconsin. They still run the football. And now they're very exotic on defense, getting after the quarterback. Eight sacks against Northwestern. And Jim Leonard, their coordinator, if you're watching the game at all, this guy comes from the Rex Ryan school of thought. He played for Rex Ryan in the NFL, so he understands how to get pressure on a quarterback, and they're doing a great job of that at Wisconsin. So they're at number nine. At number eight, I went with Michigan, and I actually flip-flopped Michigan and Washington this week and by the end of this, I might flip them back because I think they're kind of interchangeable. The reason that I put Michigan at eight is because they've got some question at the quarterback position. Now it's been obviously ruled that Spate's going to be out for a few weeks, so they've got John O'Corn. Did you know that Wilton Spate engineered touchdowns on 13% of his drives this season? Not very good. They were not very good in the red zone. Offensively, this is where the team struggled. They've got the number one total defense in the country. Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, has done a magnificent job, and they just couldn't get the offense going. Well, John O'Corn comes in against Purdue, scores on four of ten drives, scores touchdowns, 40%. That's an incredible increase. If they continue that play from the quarterback position and the offense, rest assured, the only team with the roster to beat Michigan is going to be Ohio State. I think that they would be better than Penn State, they would be better than Wisconsin, and then we would get that game at the end of the year in Ann Arbor. That would be just an incredible game. But that's just one man's humble opinion, that one man happens to have a mint green shirt on. Okay, number seven. Washington. Washington is doing what Washington does, namely play great defense. They've got good skill position players in the secondary. I love what Miles Gaskin has been doing. Jake Browning continues to be efficient. This is a team that just understands how to win. Chris Peterson doesn't have to have the best recruiting classes in order to play at the top level of college football. That's why year in and year out, we're going to see Washington in the top ten as long as Chris Peterson's the coach. Get used to it. College football fans, get used to it. And all you dog fans out there that love to give me crap on Twitter, but like, oh, they're too low, you're seven. Relax. Six years ago or seven years ago, you were winless. All right? Be happy with number seven at this point. I think you're in a great spot. If you continue to win out, Washington could make it a second straight year into the college football playoff. Really enjoy what they've been putting on the field in the last couple of seasons. At number six, it's TCU. The reason I've got TCU ahead of Washington is because TCU has a better win. They've earned it. They've earned that number six spot by going on the road and beating Oklahoma State, a team I just saw last week. I think that's a really good team in Oklahoma State. Mason Rudolph is a heck of a player. Their wide receivers are really good. And TCU went in there and handled them with 39 minutes of time of possession. That is a good football team, folks. Rest assured, they've got a great game against West Virginia this weekend on FS1, by the way. And that's a defense that's really salty. Gary Patterson has some veteran players that tackle well. They run in space. They're going to be there the entirety of the season. couple of players I wanted to single out, uh, one returning from an injury and the other one that's actually injured and going to be out four or five weeks. I'll start with the bad news first. Patrick Morris, their center, he's injured. He's going to be out four to five weeks. And when you look at what they did really well against Oklahoma State is that they ran the football. How did they do that? They had four of five seniors on the offensive line. One of those guys, Patrick Morris, not going to be there. I think that they can overcome this. Uh, I do because they've got another guy coming back from injury that's going to help their run game. Kyle Hicks coming back from injury. Now, Kyle Hicks is not the running back that we saw carve up Oklahoma State. The running back we saw carve up Oklahoma State is Darius Anderson. The reason I like Darius Anderson is he's the prototype TCU player. TCU fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're in the Metroplex right now. You're sick of listening to all the Longhorns and Aggies. I understand how you feel. We all do around college football. Excuse me. But one thing that you do know is that Darius Anderson is the type of guy that Gary Patterson loves to get. Low-level recruit. Two-star, three-star, but an excellent high school player. He ran for 2,000 yards a senior in high school, 30 touchdowns, and led his team to a 16-0 state championship. That's the type of guy Gary Patterson gets. So now all of a sudden, they get Kyle Hicks back, they get Darius Anderson in the backfield, and uh, they're rolling a little bit. Won't be surprised at all if they beat West Virginia. At number five, it's Georgia. They continue to roll up these rankings because they continue to dominate teams. Now, I don't think Tennessee is great, um, in fact, so they, they probably need a new coach, but Georgia's really good. I don't know if you realize that or not, but Georgia is really good. Second in the nation in scoring defense, under 10 points a game. The only team better than them is Bama, who's giving up like negative points per game. That's not possible. Obviously, that would be a record. So Georgia, on de- defense, they're fast. They're great in the middle of their defense, and they tackle well. They're opportunistic at the ball. Kirby Smart has got exactly the type of player uh, that he needs in there, and they're doing a heck of a job, and we know what they can do running the football with that stable of backfields. The one thing that I've been surprised with is that Jake Fromm has been playing great at the quarterback position. I didn't think a true freshman was going to go in there and play to that level, but he's done a fantastic job, and you don't just roll into Neyland Stadium and shut out Tennessee. You know how I know that? Because it hadn't been done since 1994. Crazy. Tennessee, what are you doing? Maybe you should concentrate less on the stupid turnover dunk bucket and maybe get a football team. Number four, Penn State. I feel like this is kind of default. This is like the one team I've struggled with in at number four. It's so consensus I feel like one of the five year olds chasing the soccer ball around the field. It's groupthink. It's like, well, they were there before, so they just have to keep moving up because other teams lost, I guess. Penn State has not looked great. I mean, Saquon Barkley ran the ball for 2.8 yards per carry against Indiana. Indiana. All right. I mean, I might switch this. Mid-switch, mid-switch, because they've earned it. I'm sorry, Penn State. You know why? Because they've earned it. I'm a big earn it, right? Like, I don't like four best. I like four most deserving. And Georgia is more deserving than Penn State. Penn State struggled with Pitt. It's a Pitt team that got their doors blown off by Oklahoma State at home. You didn't run the football very well against Indiana. You struggled with Iowa on the road. That's an Iowa team that we just saw Michigan State control, not handle, but control for the most of that game, even in in just a one possession win. Uh, I'm just, you know, you need to play better, Penn State. You need to play better. And you will. You got the potential. Uh, You're going to have great opportunities. Trace McSorley's been hot and cold. If he's hot, they're really good. Mike Geseki, their tight end, is injured. He took an awkward hit last week. Um, that's that's going to be interesting. We'll see because they need him. They need him bad. Um, let me move on because I've, I'm pretty solid in my top three um, order. I probably should change up the order, but I'm going to stick like this. People think I'm a Big 12 homer, so I'm just going to like put that to rest and and just leave Oklahoma at three. You'll be fine, Oklahoma Sooner fans. You know, i got your back. You're a great team. You've got the best win on the season. There's a lot of things I love about Oklahoma. They start with Baker Mayfield. The offense is great. The offensive line probably is the best offensive line in the entire country. They're running the ball really well, even without those two backs that they graduated, Joe Mixon and Samadji Pirine. Uh, they've replaced D.D. Westbrook on the outside. So they're doing a lot of things great. If there was one area of concern, Sooner fans, you knew it was an area of concern coming into the season. And they've addressed it for the most part, but it kind of reared its ugly head in that win against Baylor past defense. So Baylor, outside of the game against Oklahoma, is averaging, I've got it right here in my trusty book. This is like a college football Bible, folks. 242 passing yards per game is what Baylor is averaging in every game outside of the Oklahoma game. What did they throw for against Oklahoma? 463 yards. So what do you want me to do with that? They almost doubled their output. So that's why Oklahoma's number three. I think they have the most dynamic player in the country. Baker Mayfield is my leader in the Heisman race. And they're really good. They're going to be able to prove it down the stretch. Okay, so Clemson's going to be at number two. There's a lot of clamoring people out there. Oh, Clemson fans are becoming some of the worst you know who you are. You know who you are. How did you have Clemson behind Alabama? Because I did it. Why is Clemson behind Alabama? Because right now, this is a team that lived on a couple of big plays to beat Virginia Tech. Now, you might just be incensed now, Clemson fan. You're like, we handled him. Did you not see the scoreboard? I did see the scoreboard. Did you not see the stat sheet? You were actually outgained by 10 yards. The turnovers is really what swung the tide in the Clemson's favor. In fact, Virginia Tech was starting to get some momentum, and their freshman quarterback, Josh Jackson, turned the ball over in a, ki- in a pick six at 24 to 10. I'm not saying Virginia Tech was going to beat you because you're great. Listen, Clemson, you're a great team. Be happy with what you are. You're going to be fine. You're probably going to go to the playoff. People are talking about you in Alabama as if you guys are running off and having like a LeBron, uh, Kyrie, um, well, they're not really having a love fest, are they? What are the Le- LeBron and Steph love fest in the finals in June, right? You can tell I don't really care about the NBA because I think the NBA is stupid. So, Clemson, you're going to be fine. I think this is one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the entire country. Their front seven is fierce. They get after the quarterback. It's going to be tough sledding for anyone to beat Clemson. Here's one worry if you were to bring up a worry. Clemson fan, you can shut your ears. La, 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 la. You're going to be tested at some point, and you're going to have to wonder until it happens how Kelly Bryant's going to react because it's going to happen. At every point, whether it's a great team or um, just a regular team, you're going to get tested, right? You're going to be in a game that you should win, and you're going to be in a, in a dogfight late. And you kind of had that against Boston College. It got, kind of got blown open late. I'm interested to see how Kelly Bryant reacts in a one-possession game late in the fourth quarter because I knew how Deshaun Watson reacted, and that was with greatness. He was phenomenal. And number one, who is it? Of course, it's Bama. Okay, so Bama, um, they're on like an historic run. I just want to talk about some of these numbers. (laughs) In their first two SEC games, they're outscoring their opponent 125-3. to That means on average they're beating their opponent by 60 points. 60 SEC, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, In their last five regular season SEC games, they're giving up 3.6 points per game. That's the best regular season five-game SEC stretch in the Nick Saban era. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. What they're doing right now is phenomenal. I think their quarterback does not get the love that he deserves. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal player. He's throwing the ball well. He doesn't turn it over, and he's a real weapon with his legs. He's the leading rusher for the Crimson Tide, for goodness sake. The guy is for real. It's going to take a Herculean effort for anyone to beat Bama because you're going to have to be great on offense. You're going to have to be great on defense and stop a dynamic player at the quarterback position, and they're one of the best special teams teams in the entire country. Um, That's going to be interesting. I don't know if there is anyone that can beat Alabama this year. I really don't. Let's get to some comments. Here we go. Uh, Hopefully you were snarky. Let me take a quick gulp of genuine Dr. Pepper. All right, here we go. All right, someone read it. I can't read upside down. Alabama should not be number one with that cupcake schedule from Sean. Sean, with all due respect, and I'll try to be friendly, you're an idiot. Florida State was not a cupcake. Granted, their quarterback was injured, and now they're having to play with a true freshman, but that was not a cupcake game. Florida State was a consensus top three team at the time that they played. They're one of the best rosters in the country. They probably have the best defensive player in the country in Derwin James, and just because in hindsight they happened to lose their quarterback late in that game does not mean it was a cupcake schedule. Get over yourself. What was his name? Sean. Sean. Give Give me a break. Probably wear socks to bed. Loser. I'm kidding. That was. I shouldn't have losered you. That was. Sean, you're probably a good dude. Uh, Who that, do we got? That switch. He's referring to uh, Georgia. Georgia. State, probably made me happier than it should have, Craig. Okay, now things are a little awkward. <laughs> Craig, this is a family show. There are kids watching, and I need you to clean it up. You lock it up, Craig. You lock it up. Sitting in a dark room with your socks on, and keep your socks on, Craig. You gotta be kidding me. Clean it up. And then here we go. By the way, I didn't address what he was really talking about before we read this. Yeah. Georgia fans are a little too excited. We have one of them here. One of um, one of the folks that's kind of like the lead digital person here at Fox Sports. I'm not going to name any names, but Michael Buckland is. <laughs> Pretty impressed with his dogs, and he's always coming up to me, and he's like, what did you think of Georgia? I'm like, first of all, settle down. We're not eight, and I'm not Taylor Swift, and let's talk about Georgia. They're pretty good. Tennessee's not. So just relax. Prove it on the field. You'll be fine. You play in a terrible division. You've got a one-game season. It's going to happen in Atlanta in that beautiful Mercedes-Benz Dome. I don't know what his handle is, but I think it might be at Top Dog. So go check that out. There's probably 30,000 at Top Dogs. Get a new Twitter handle, Georgia fans. And don't breathe at me like I'm Taylor Swift, because I'm not. I'm a guy. Okay, here we go. Why is TCU so high at number six from Alex? Alex, well done using why and not how. I, You know what? There's going to be no snark in here. I'm going to answer your question with civility. Uh, clearly an educated man, Alex. Um, why is TCU, I'm sorry, why is they, are they so high? Okay, so TCU at number six. I already told you I'm a big earn it and deserving type of guy rather than just, oh, I test best team recruiting rankings. They had one of the best wins of the season. I actually think it's the second best win in the entire college football year at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State gets frowned upon because they're looked at as like the little brother in their own state, but that was a top-ten team, and they beat them on their turf. Only Oklahoma has been able to do that. Think of the other losses around the, the year. USC lost on the road. We've seen some neutral site victories. Uh, Virginia Tech was not a top-ten team. Uh, Auburn, that Auburn game, if I'm not mistaken, that was at Clemson. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that? Was it Clemson or was that on the Plains? Anybody? We're going to get, granted, it was not a top 10 victory. So that's why TCU is as high as they are. Um, Oklahoma and TCU have the two best wins of the entire season. That's why Oklahoma's all the way up here at three. That's why TCU is at six. Um, they're really good, they defend really well. I'm impressed with them. And Gary Patterson is one of those rare coaches that gets a lot out of his team. Okay. We got one, more. one more. Oh. Yeah. Because Bonus. Really like this, this is not Craig or whoever was excited, right? Because yeah. that could have been awkward again. Yeah, Don, okay, who who do we got now? Yeah, Don. He says East Coast bias. Stay up after seven p.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> Don. Don. <laughs> Are you awake, Don? I live in Los Angeles, Don. I haven't spent 14 nights this entire year on the East Coast, much less the fact that I talk till I'm blue in the face every single week about guys like Bryce Love and Rashad Penny and Christian McCaffrey in 2015. Don, Don, you apparently have been dropped in from Mars and know nothing of me or this show. Welcome. Grab a Dr. Pepper and understand... That I live in Los Angeles. I grew up in Denver. If anything, I don't really like the people on the east side of the Mississippi. Maybe I said it. Maybe I didn't. Did I say people or things? I don't know. Check the tape. Oh, you can't. It's an internet show. (laughs) Oh, it's probably going to be on tape. Um, So there it is. There's my top ten. I like the switch I made. I'm more comfortable with this. Do not get excited, Craig. Was that his name? Was that Craig? Craig. Relax, Craig. Okay, let's get some chalk talk. Are we doing that? Do we have a chalkboard? We're doing Heisman. We're doing Heisman. Yeah. Let's do the Heisman first. Um, Matt. Matt's here. Let's bring in Matt. We're going to get to his Heisman. Please do not do it. I think you're going to do it number one. Heisman time with our uh, Heisman winner prerequisite. None of you can give me your Heisman <laughs> takes because you didn't win it. Ha. You can though because you pa- did win it.
1: Apparently, I had this week on Twitter I had no credibility with my Heisman list. Come on in, have and a I, little. And, like, I ha- and I had to Mac say Mac time.
0: You know, oh, oh, oh. I, I am
1: I am a, a humble person, but I did have to say. Uh, did Last you? time I checked, I did actually win the trophy. That's what I had to say. <laughs> did you give him a guy? And I felt, I felt bad. Part of me felt bad saying that because, you know, it's like... Don't feel bad. But I was like, you know what, dude? I do have credibility. Yeah, so, you do. You know, you don't have to agree with me, but don't say I don't have any credibility. He's saying Anyways. this in a
0: polite way. I'll just say it right to your face, whoever you are on Twitter. Hashtag I'm going to pull that up. mouth breather. Take a lap. That's right. Take All a right. lap. Go ahead, man. All
1: right, here we go. Number five, new to my list. And this is where... I, I saw you. This is where we're going to disagree. This is the
0: one dis- disagreement. Luke Falk. Okay. I see how it is. He beats your beloved and he gets on your list. You know
1: That's what? I, I, he, he doesn't get enough credit because You're of the right. system. And You're we right. always talk about these guys because the numbers are always going to be there. Yep. Um, but I, I think... What he has done against top uh, top opponents in his career, he's not been good. I mean, his numbers across the board are down. Touchdowns, you know, completion percentage, all those things. Never had help. I think he was he was two. Defense is good. Yeah, he was two and five against ranked opponents going into that game last week. And I thought he played well. He he didn't like you said. He has a better defense. He got a pretty solid, a a decent run game. But just to play like that. against a top USC team. USC may not be as good as we think, but still a good defense. They're banked up, but and, I uh, thought it was a good one, too. It, it a little, little nugget on from. Luke
0: Falk, if you don't mind me yeah, adding. Yeah. Virtually every run play that you see Washington State run, Luke Falk checked to right. it on the field. Mike Leach does not believe in calling runs, so touche to you from a couple of quarterbacks right here, but Luke Falk does a great job of controlling that. And I think
1: that's another thing, too, is he has a lot of freedom up yeah. there and, and people kind of forget that especially this day and age of college football the quarterbacks just look to the sideline in every place so, yeah, that drives me nuts. Uh, piece too. Of me dies yeah me too me too like, like the huddle hey how about we huddle and look at our team in the, the eyes and we actually go through a read but it's okay uh... luke bro Falk, number five bro out in the huddle there's nothing better than the huddle man number four mason rudolph keeping him on there no reason like to that. take him off uh... i liked what he did in a close game against a, uh, a good Texas Tech team. You have the game. He
0: responded um, from that pick six really impressively. He, he
1: responded well. He made plays in crunch time. He won a close game. Uh, I think it was something I wanted to see from Oklahoma State, how they bounced back from the loss the previous week. So, again, in my opinion, he's, he's, he's going to have the numbers. and He'll just need the wins. He'll too. need the wins, yeah. and November 4th is the game. If Oklahoma State can stay undefeated or, or continue to win the games against Oklahoma Bedlam, um, Then that's you know everybody's going to be watching that game. That's the one. Um, Number three. What am I saying? Bryce Love. Bryce
0: Love. I love it. I mean, you love. Wait, no, you were saying you love me or that you love Bryce Love?
1: I love you, but I love Bryce Love more. Uh, I mean, best. You know, arguably the best running back in college football. Obviously Saquon Barkley, but the season he's having, leading the FBS in rushing. In the two losses, he was spectacular, averaging about ten yards per carry. He's really been a one-man wrecking crew, unbelievable. Um, and, and just you know, when you think of McCaffrey, right, and what he meant for this team, and then you're like, oh, no one can replace McCaffrey, and he hasn't really he hasn't replaced him in the in the receiving game, but like he he's on a tear. Like it's, it's it has to be noticed and 100 yards in seven playing straight better. games. Yeah. in
0: those seven games, ten and a half yards per carry, 11 yards per carry this season. It's Incredible, it's
1: incredible, and they're and they they're playing better. They're starting to win a couple. I will games say
0: here. this: Saquon Barkley has outrushed Bryce Love this year. If you take Saquon Barkley's whole year and Bryce Love's just last two games, then Barkley does have him by ten yards. <laughs> that was a little snarky. But Bar-
1: Barkley's also throwing touchdowns. All of a sudden. I mean, he shot put it right, in. he did have bad form, but it's okay. That's okay. Uh, number two and <laughs> number two, Baker Mayfield. Come on. What are you talking about? Uh, oh, you have a number one. You have going, number one. Just keep like, going. We don't have to talk about Baker Mayfield. I know your point. I agree with you. What he's done with the players around him as opposed to last year, I get it. I'm on board. And Baker Mayfield has as good a shot as Barkley to win this thing. He's got to keep winning. And then the Bedlam game, like I, I keep going to, those are the stages. People people got on me for um, you know not saying – we did our show last week saying, Rob Stone asked, did Barkley win in September, the Heisman? And I said – Dude, you don't win it in September, no. and you don't. He had a great September. He's he's right now leading, but Baker Mayfield. You can make the point. All these guys. You don't win it. You win this thing in late October, November, where you know the games matter more, in my opinion. So Mayfield's number two still could be number one, but number one for me is Barkley. Kickoff return for. A time. And listen, I like James Franklin. He's just saying, listen, this is my Heisman campaign.
0: Well, he knows- it makes
1: me nervous at times. Like, why is he – why does your start running back – Because he can take to... it back 98 exactly. yards, which is fine. We've so. just
0: fallen in love. Here's my problem with Saquon Barkley. I Let's hear it, I think he's a phenomenal Joel. player. We have fallen in love like five-year-olds on a soccer game with the ball just running around in a pack. We're all in groupthink with Saquon Barkley right now. The guy rushed for under three yards a carry he... versus Indiana, who had a rush defense that is in the 100s when it comes to rush yards against. So, that, to me, that's like – did you know if you go back through history – There's only been one game where a Heisman-winning running back, dating back to 1996, averaged less than three yards per carry, and it was Mark Ingram against Auburn in Mm -hmm. '09. That's, I mean, that's that's rough for me to. So what does he have to do? Has only rushed for 100 yards in two of his five games. He's the ninth leading rusher. He's Mm -hmm. the he's not in the top 35 in rush yards per carry. He's not in the top 50 in rushing touchdowns. So, for me, that kind of precludes you from being the Heisman So, So, what do
1: you have to see from him? They have Ohio State, Michigan, back-to-back. Yeah, I think he can win it in those games. Yeah.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like, he's great, but... Heisman's come down to numbers, mm-hmm. moments, yeah. and circumstances. And Mayfield has him topped in every single one of those categories. He's got a better win at Ohio State. Yeah. He's got better numbers because he leads the country in almost every passing category. And the circumstances that I've talked about a lot with his wide receiver being gone, his running backs, he loses his head coach. But you're not, wrong, You're great. You still have a Heisman trophy. No, I, I, I think
1: I agree with you. I think, I think Barkley at Iowa, where he went off, was a good was a I mean, good win Michigan it's not State
0: beat Iowa listen
1: it's not Mayfield at Ohio State but it's still a good win and it's still yeah, he's still good. at a moment I think he rushed for almost 200 listen it's okay this is why we
0: have this because I was not ranked
1: it's gonna it could change next week Penn State could probably lose should this change that week next week I have who, uh, dissertation I just gave you who, that's right. who's we, we differ with one guy I think you're number five
0: um who did I have in there you at had Jalen Hurts uh Jalen Hurts leading the tide in rushing mm-hmm. He's thrown the ball really well. Has not turned it over. In fact, the Tide haven't turned the ball over since dating back to the Iron Bowl of last year. It's like thirty plus quarters. Pretty impressive. And people are just like, "Oh, Alabama's really good." So you know, Hertz just has to hand the he ball. He gets lost off. But in the shuffle a little he's bit. Yeah, playing really yeah. well.
1: Yeah, I think when you when you think of. And he's not on my top five. He, he I, Every week I always look at to see what he's doing. It's but like I th- him
0: and Rashad Penny and those guys. I think when you think the of Clark. Bama,
1: like when you talk about Bama, it's almost like he just falls down in the pecking order because you talk about the defense and yeah. he's like oh this power run game. Yeah. But he's he's very much a part of the power run game because yeah. he's an excellent runner and he's the cor- like he, he's just he's in a good spot because he's just continued to win, continued to play well. Unfortunately, I mean the SEC is just horrible this year. So. <laughs>
0: In my opinion. I tend to so, agree with you. you know, it's like, like Georgia, Bama, the depth. and I mean, maybe the depth. Auburn. Yeah,
1: the depth is not as great. So, But Jalen Hurts deserves some love.
0: I like that. Yeah. All right. You weren't quite right on your top five this week. We'll try again Nor next were you. Week. It's okay. Matt Leiner, Heisman Trophy winner, if you didn't know already. So a clap,
1: Colorado Buff.
0: We apparently have a brand-new studio audience, so it was fake. They're all workers here, and I told them they had to cheer. Here we go. We're going to give you three reasons not to panic about J.T. Barrett and Ohio State Buckeye passing offense. That's why we're going with a little Aaron Rodgers relax about J.T. Barrett. I've got three reasons. Now, we're also going to play a little fun game for the rest of Breaking the Huddle presented by, you know the ticket, little Dr. Pepper, Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want you all, get your friends involved on this, by the way. Send it to them. Make sure they get on here because the snarkiest, funniest comment about my mint green shirt during the course of the rest of this episode is going to win something. I don't know if it's going to be a 12-pack of Doc, Dr. Pepper, which I personally buy you. I don't, maybe Dr. Pepper will send us a 12-pack that we can send to you. Uh, there's a picture of me getting blasted back here. We might send this to you. I can autograph it, I can autograph it if you want. Um, that might bring down the value. I don't know. I might send you this shirt off my back, unwashed. Just bring the snark. Come on. Let's have some fun. It's college football, for goodness sakes. I feel like Crash Davis out here. Baseball's supposed to be fun. Come on, Internet. I want you to be good at this. Okay, here we go. Number one. It kind of looks like a D. I'll be working on this. Let me work on that a little bit. Number one with a little thingy there, whatever it's called. Um, number one is time, okay? So time. Let me explain time to you. And no, not telling time. Time. Everyone thought, myself included, that the new offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, was going to fix the -the down-the-field passing game for Ohio State right away. And you know what? That probably wasn't realistic because they just needed time to incorporate what Kevin Wilson wanted to bring and mesh it. With what Urban Meyer has been historically offensively. See, here's the thing. Urban Meyer has won close to 85% of his games as a head coach. So he's not going to come in here and just allow Kevin Wilson to have the keys to the castle. He understands how to win, and his offense has been as successful as any out there. He's won three national championships, for goodness sakes. He didn't forget how to coach. He did know that he needed some new ideas. He went out and got one of the best minds in all of college football. And they have begun the process of of infusing those ideas together. They always needed time to do that. They needed games to do that. They needed reps to do that. There's a third part of the time equation that I haven't even touched on, and that's Ryan Day. Ryan Day, the quarterback coach who's now working with JT Barrett, he's a guy that is infusing Chip Kelly-style principles into Urban Meyer's offense and Kevin Wilson's offense. And so you've got these three elements that are trying to mesh themselves together. So in hindsight, We should have never expected that to be great early in the season, and we all overreacted and panicked when J.T. Barrett and Ohio State didn't throw the ball great down the field against Oklahoma. We never gave them the most important element of the equation, which was time. Time to mesh. If you actually watch some of their games like I have on film getting ready for this week as I travel out there, what you see is Kevin Wilson is doing a better job of incorporating down-the-field passes. JT Barrett has thrown three passes, or excuse me, last week threw three passes that traveled 20 yards in the air or more. He only had two coming into that entire game. That's schematically related. Please tell me you guys are giving me such great comments about this mint green shirt because... I am so excited to read them. Okay, the next thing on here is, um, let's see, B, Um, facts. Facts. That's something that we failed to look at, which is the facts of the entire deal. We want to sit here and say, hey, the Ohio State passing game, they're no good, blah, blah, blah. They don't throw the ball down the field. Guess what? Go look at what they are in the Big Ten. They're the number one passing offense in the entire conference. They're the only team to average over 300 yards per game throwing the football. Oh, by the way, they lead the conference in, throwing, uh, in uh, passing touchdowns. JT Barrett is one of the best when it comes to touchdown-to-interception ratio. As a team, they lead the conference in touchdown-to-interception ratio at 8-to-1. And when you look at what Barrett has done, in particular in the last couple of games, he's thrown the ball for 12 yards per attempt. Back-to-back games, over 12 yards per attempt. He hasn't done that in his entire career. So we need to look at the facts because the facts don't match the narrative. Too often in college football, a narrative is formed, and then we never adjust that narrative based on the facts. It's time to adjust the narrative because the facts will tell you Ohio State is throwing the ball very well, in particular, down the field. And lastly, we've got film. Uh, This is my favorite because it gives me a chance to kind of nerd out, and when I watched the film from last year, what I saw was JT Barrett not necessarily nervous in the pocket, but antsy in the pocket he wouldn't often get to his second and third read in the progression. He didn't often get from one side of the field even back to the middle of the field or in particular from one side of the field all the way to the other side of the field. And so he would see one read, he would try, he would try to stay on it, stay on it too long and then he would try to run generally to no avail, but that was the problem with the passing game late last season. They needed a fix. This is where Ryan Day has helped the most. And I'm sure Kevin Wilson has incorporated some of this a little bit as well. But JT Barrett is so much more relaxed at quarterback in the pocket. Okay, when I see a quarterback, what I want to see is confident in his movement. Okay, that confidence in movement means that I'm gonna see him looking in one direction on one close of his feet. A close of his feet, it's hard to tell, but like you get back there and and one close is kind of one shuffle, okay? So when you get one shuffle, you're looking at one receiver. And if you shuffle again on the same receiver, you don't know what you're looking at, okay? What I see now is Barrett, he's kind of gonna close on one receiver and bang, he's immediately to his next read or even somewhere else on the field. That tells me he's more confident in the pocket. He understands what's going on down the field, maybe even to a better degree than he was before. And he's throwing the football with a lot more accuracy, in particular when you're talking about those throws that go more than 10 or 15 yards down the field. Why? Because he's not breaking down. Okay, so if I'm a quarterback and I'm going to sit there with the ball and I get nervous, you know, I get nervous and all of a sudden I get tense up top. Now if I'm – Relax, and I'm on one, now I'm on two, and I'm on three. See how now I can release the football with more um, athletic ability, touch, things of that nature, accuracy down the field. So these are the three things. One time, B-facts, lastly, film. Yeah, I know. I didn't number those totally correctly, but whatever. Um, That's why you should relax about the J.T. Barrett situation and Ohio State. I think they've been really good, in particular of late, and I'm excited to see how they play this week against Maryland and then in subsequent weeks as they face Nebraska next week in another game that Gus and I will probably do uh, their Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. Do we have any good snarky shirt comments? We have a leader in the clubhouse from Zach. What is worse, that shirt or the SEC this year? (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. I thought it would be more at my expense, but that's really good, Zach. Um, I'm Really hoping you've got some sort of Zach Morris avi, because that would be awesome. And then you would win uh, for sure. What's worse, this shirt or the SEC? I mean, this is saying a lot. The SEC. (laughs) All right, so we've finally gotten into October now. And everyone in college football or surrounding college football all of a sudden wants to crown Saquon Barkley the Heisman Trophy winner. And I don't quite understand why yet, and I'll explain further. Um, First, a disclaimer to this entire monologue, if you want to call it that. I love Saquon Barkley as a player. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He's the top running back for next year's NFL draft, hands down. He's explosive. He does the right things off the field. He's a great runner between the tackles, outside of the tackles. We see what he can do in the run game. Love him as a player. That doesn't mean that the best NFL prospect at the position always gets the Heisman Trophy, okay? you got to have a year that is worthy of winning the Heisman Trophy. So let's start pumping the brakes just a little bit on the Saquon Barkley for Heisman hype train. Let me explain why. If you're not even the best running back in the country statistically or not having the best running back year, how can you be the best player in college football? Because you can argue that Saquon Barkley is right now not even having the best running back year. That clearly is going to Bryce Love. And you can make an argument that the second best running back year is Rashad Penny at San Diego State. And the numbers back me up. I wouldn't just come out here and throw a bunch of hyperbole and opinion at you. The numbers suggest that right now Bryce Love is having the best running back year in the country. And it's not just total yards, although he has those. Let's run them down. Bryce Love is right now the leading rusher in the country. He's also leading the country with 11 yards per carry. That's insane. He's rushed the football for over 160 yards in every single game this year. And if you go back seven games into last year, he's got seven straight 100-yard games, every single one of those. And for the bulk of that entire time, he's averaging 10 and a half yards per carry. It's insane. Now you look at what Barkley is doing. While great, the numbers don't add up. He's not in the top five in terms of total rushers in the country. He's not in the top 35 when you look at rushing yards per attempt. And he's not in the top 50 when you look at rushing touchdowns. So while he might have had some great Heisman moments, let's not, let's not convince those, or convince ourselves that those also mean that he is worthy of the Heisman trophy. He hurtled a guy at Iowa and had a great day and a day in which his team had to beat an unranked team on the road. Ever since then, though, he's only had two 100-yard games out of the five. He had 2.8 yards per rush against Indiana. Now, folks, let me give you some context for that. There are two other guys that have played Indiana this year that are not named Saquon Barkley that each averaged over six yards per carry and got well over 100 yards on the night. One of them was for Georgia Southern for goodness sakes, L.A. Ramsby, Ran the ball for 108 yards and six yards per carry against Indiana. J.K. Dobbins, a true freshman, and his first start ever in the first game of his career at Ohio State ran for 180 yards and six point what? Two yards per carry against Indiana. Indiana's rush defense is in the one hundreds when it comes to their defense of rushing yards per attempt. None of the yards none of the numbers make any sense. Can you edit that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. None of the numbers make any sense for Saquon Barkley at this point. And this is not even an argument about me trying to say Bryce Love should be the Heisman Trophy favorite because I'm saving the best for last. Baker Mayfield is your Heisman front runner if you've been watching the sport at all. Remember, don't fall in love with three moments, fall in love with an entire body of work. Let's explain Baker Mayfield's body of work. First and foremost, he had the best win in the country at Ohio State, in which he was brilliant. Threw the ball for over 380 yards, and he threw it for, what, 27 a 35 for three touchdowns and no interceptions. So in that moment, he was brilliant. Maybe even more brilliant than what Barkley was at Iowa. Just think about that for perspective. He's also leading the country in completion percentage with all the quarterbacks that have played four or more games. When you take all the quarterbacks in the country, he's number one in yards per attempt. He's number one in yards per completion. He's number one in touchdown to interception ratio. By the way, that's a big goose egg, 13 TDs, zero interceptions. And he's leading the country in passer efficiency at 228. There's not another quarterback that's even at 190, much less the 200s. Baker Mayfield is having the best season of anybody in college football, and it's not close. The circumstances around that season, by the way, crazy. Think about Baker Mayfield losing a 1,500-yard receiver in D.D. Westbrook, who was in New York for the Heisman final last year. He lost two running backs that both gained 1,000 yards in Joe Mixon and Samajé Pirine, and he also lost a coach that was the winningest coach in the history of Oklahoma football. That's right. A school that has Bud Wilkerson, Barry Switzer, and Bob Stoops had more wins than all of them, and he leaves a month before the season, and Mayfield's still able to do this. Mayfield's got the numbers, he's got the moments, and he's got the circumstances, which suggests that he should be your Heisman frontrunner as we get into the month of October. I wanted to take a moment to just address all the LSU fans, because I've actually gotten a lot of people on social media, and then those are the people that I work with that are from the Louisiana area or that are LSU fans, and that's all you can ask me about, is what's going on with LSU, and are they going to get a new coach? Let me start by saying this. This is the bed that you made yourselves. So you're going to have to sleep in it. So let's explain what the bed is and what you're going to go night-night in here for the next couple of months. First and foremost, the pressure that you put on Les Miles and the pressure that you more specifically put on Joe Oliva, the athletic director, to get rid of Les Miles was pretty ridiculous. Why? The guy won over 70% of his games, close to 80% when you talk about SEC play. He won the division several times. He won conference championships several times. He won a national championship and you thought the grass was greener on the other side. I understand that you thought that the other side of the fence was Tom Herman, and so a lot of the reason that there was pressure to change was because of Tom Herman, what he was doing at Houston. But you didn't get Tom Her- but you didn't get Tom Herman. What you did get was Ed Ogeron, who was not your first choice. Now you're 5 games in and it's not good. All right. LSU was just outplayed by Troy. This was not a situation where they clearly dominated the game and Troy got five turnovers and happened to upset the Tigers. Troy beat LSU up and down the field. The fact that it was that close in the end was actually a miracle for LSU. Think about that. Neil Brown and Troy walked in there to Tiger Stadium and took you behind the woodshed. That should be alarming, and it is alarming, even for those of us that are not LSU fans. It had a lot of people clamoring for change. They said, oh, Ed Ogeron can't do it. We need to make a change. I'm going to run down several details right now of why that's probably not going to happen and probably shouldn't happen. First of all, he got a five-year contract for $3.5 million dollars. Not my fault, not Ed Ogeron's fault, that's Joe Oliva's fault. That's a long contract for a guy that's not proven as a head coach, and that's a big buyout because he has a two-way buyout, essentially three and a half per year of what's left on his contract. So if you fired him right now, it's somewhere between 12 and 9 based on the terms of the firing and how they work it out legally. 12 and $9 million, that's a lot of bread for any program, much less LSU you're already paying less Miles close to $9 million to not coach. You want to pay another guy $9 million to not coach? $18 million for two guys to not coach your football team? Isn't this the state that just had a $1 billion shortfall and in February of 2016 could not agree on a fiscal budget? Yes, it is the same state, to the point where the LSU president came out and said, we might not have football in the fall of 2016. Because the state budget might not have been passed which would have mean lsu had to shut down the football players would have taken incompletes in their uh, spring semesters of class and then they would not have been eligible to com- compete in the fall of 2016. one billion dollar shortfall you cannot add to that debt by paying 18 million dollars to two guys that aren't coaching your football team if you're wanting to make a change or willing to make a change it's going to have to come at the athletic director's spot Joe Oliva made this bed, you're sleeping in it, and those are the facts. Listen, I appreciate you guys sticking around. I appreciate you interacting with the show. Breaking the Huddle can be listened to as a podcast, so make sure to go to iTunes and download this as a podcast or wherever you find your podcast. As always, we are presented by Dr. Pepper. Remember, at every home gate and tailgate, it is the one that fans crave.